Swung on the high this is tagged by Hammer to the gap. At the track, high and deep to right. That ball just got out of here. Was hit a this is going to go to the rock This ball's getting small. This is charged. Right back at the track. Seems like the ball's had a lot of life the last couple of nights. We can go back to back. Here's Adam Engel. Swinging a long one to left. We're going to have a tie ball game. He did go back to back. High and deep. This has crushed the left center field. This is going to go for a home run. Way out of here. This is is White Sox Weekly. We're moving to that next pitch. It's time now to start having that progress towards a championship caliber team, ultimately. From our standpoint, there's a lot to be excited about. Oh, this ball is absolutely blistered. High, far, I don't know if it's landed yet. Luis Robert, a two-run homer. Barrel, homer. Holy cow. You know, the ball jumped off. He's got leverage. He's got bat speed. He's got to put that all together. And he could be a monster. I think we're ready to take that next step and head deeper down the path to ultimately winning championships. The Chicago Baseball Conversation. Deep in the right field. On the flagship home of the Sox. It is gone. 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly. Till 6 o'clock. College football coming up right here on 720 WGN. My name is Mark Harmon. Good to have you along board. And let's be honest. We should be playing baseball today. It is beautiful out there. How's it going to feel? Let's look into the future. How's it going to feel this time next year when the White Sox are getting ready for Game 6 of the ALCS at Guaranteed Rate Field? Yeah, I said it. Dream it big, baby. You never know what is coming. And it is, uh, if you are following along the baseball playoffs, which I'm assuming you are, Game 6 tonight, Yankees and the Houston Astros back in Houston. The Astros leading that series three games to two. Yankees keeping themselves alive in Game 5 at home. Beating Justin Verlander 4-1 the final in Game 5. Bullpen night as it's a 7-0-8 first pitch Game 6 of the ALCS. Big show today, Frank Menachino, the new White Sox hitting coach. Frank Menachino is very interesting. First of all, you're talking about a guy who was drafted after the White Sox drafted Ron Schuler's daughter in the 1993 MLB draft. And he spent the majority of his early career in the minors. Did not get to the major leagues until he was 28 years old. And played on those Oakland A teams with Jason Giambi and Miguel Tejada, with Art Howe as the manager made famous by a movie with Moneyball, Billy Bean, the GM, those teams. Teams that walked a lot, got on base, sort of started the new era of baseball and the way front offices started to think, which, of course, has now moved all the way through baseball. And Houston, especially, who's playing tonight, they have embraced that line of thinking. And, you know, that's it's all across the land is... Everybody is hiring analytics guys left and right to add to their front office and give their organization some depth. But that's where Frank Manichino comes from. He's also a New Yorker. And when you're a New Yorker, sometimes you, or most times I'd say, you have an edge. And Frank Manichino has it. He is a feisty, competitive, you can hear the Brooklyn Manhattan coming out of him very clearly. And I think when you hear this interview, you'll see that uh, Frank Manichino knows one way to go about his business. And there's many ways to have a, let a guy have success, but 
He's going to be about accountability. He's going to be about work. He's going to be about taking what the defense gives you. The whole shifting thing that's going on in baseball, look for the White Sox to do their very best to take advantage of that in 2020 and the years beyond. Uh, But Frank is, uh, I wouldn't say he's a controversial hire, but the White Sox had a lot of great performers this year. Tim Anderson winning a batting title. Jose Abreu leading the American League in RBIs. Aloy hitting 31 homers as a rookie. A lot of guys having great years. But the White Sox were at the bottom of the American League in walks, so they're looking to get on base more. And Todd Stevenson, who did a great job and will get another job in baseball, had been here for a long time. Hitting coaches, they don't have a very long shelf life. So White Sox trying to up that level, and uh, Frank was the hitting coach for those Marlins teams who had a ton of great players, Giancarlo Stanton and Christian Yelich, a bunch of young guys that he helped get to the next level, and the White Sox are hoping that he will do the same. So Frank's coming up in about five minutes. I want to give congratulations at the start of the show here to Nick Madrigal, who was named by the Minor League Gold Glove Award people as the best second baseman in the minor leagues this year. 992 was Madrigal's fielding percentage, which is just phenomenal. 108 games playing second base at Winston-Salem, which is high class A. That was 28 games there. He played 39 games at Double A Birmingham, and then he played 41 games with Triple A Charlotte. Four errors in 488 total chances. So he got the ball hit to him 488 times. He made four errors. He also turned 95 double plays. And we've had Nick on the show a bunch of times. Incredibly focused, well-thought-out young man. And, of course, he's going to be spending, you would think, a bulk, the bulk, the majority of his time with the White Sox in 2020. He's currently ranked the number 4 prospect in the White Sox organization. He hit well this year. 311 was his batting average on three different levels. And think about this, 473 at-bats. You want to put the ball in play, right? Strikeouts are not good. They don't advance runners. They don't give the defense an opportunity to make an error. You want the ball in play? He struck out 16 times in 473 at-bats. 16 times. That is impressive. But a gold glove for him at second base, so look for... Nick to be hopefully earning one of those at guaranteed rate field, if not next year, but in the years to come as he establishes himself in the big leagues. What that'll mean for Yolmer Sanchez and the rest of the way the White Sox construct their roster, that'll be interesting. Questions that Rick Hahn and company will have to answer at some point, but uh, you can bet a lot of money that Nick, Nick Madrigal is going to get a ton of time at second base in 2020. The White Sox games, by the way, are better with a group, and it's never too early to lock in your 2020 group package. From a diamond suite to a pregame patio party, they've got the perfect space for your occasion. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. And the White Sox pop-up shop is back at the Orland Square Mall this offseason. You can visit the White Sox store at Orland Square Mall now through January the 15th. It's conveniently located across from the Apple Store, and fans can shop stadium exclusives and special promotions throughout the holidays. Don't forget that. For more information, follow at White Sox Store on Instagram. All right, when we come on back here, we'll bring in our conversation with Frank Manichino, the new White Sox hitting coach. 
Tyler Johnson also going to be on the program after 5 o'clock. Tyler had a great back end of the year with AA, the Birmingham Barons, and he's been pitching in the Arizona Fall League, made the All-Star team there, played in their All-Star game, and he's going to be pitching for USA Baseball as well. So all that is coming up after 5 o'clock. But coming up next, Frank Manichino, the new White Sox hitting coach on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN White Sox Weekly and the White Sox with the new hitting coach Frank Medicino joining us now on White Sox Weekly. Frank, first off, congratulations! And you've obviously been around the organization now, uh, working in AAA this year. But uh, this uh, this is a big step up, and uh, I think uh, clearly uh, the White Sox are very excited about uh, what you're going to be able to bring to the table. Did you? Were you surprised, I guess, when they offered you the job? Did you know it was coming? How, how would you break down that part of it? No, I was surprised. I mean, I didn't see it coming. But, um, you know, watching in spring training and watching who I might have and watching the prospects and stuff, I got excited, you know. And it was weird because you come from the Miami Marlins in the big leagues for five years and you got a triple-A job. So I tried to stay out of the way. I didn't want to be that guy that shows up and, you know, thinks he's a big league hitting coach. So I kind of kept to myself a little bit. You know, I really didn't. I just observed. I watched. I watched how guys did things. And then once I got to Charlotte, you know, uh, I got my guys on my program that I used in Miami and, um, Guys really liked it, and guys seemed to enjoy it in spring training when I introduced it just to see how guys would be able to handle it. And um, everything went out, you know, went the way it's supposed to. Everything went great. Guys, um, they bought into it, and, you know, it just it kind of spread, and guys liked it. So when guys would come down or guys would go up, you know, I made sure that they were able to, you know, use this stuff and it worked for them so i guess they they must have talked about it to the organization yeah without giving away any any secrets how would you you know best describe the program that you implemented well it's just a different way of working a different way of attacking the pitcher a different way of using your approach it's really not something out of the ordinary it's kind of it's been forgotten as of late and as long as you're using a round ball and a round bat there's not too much that could change Right. You know, yeah. it's still a lot of the same stuff and you got to be ready to hit your pitch and you can't miss it. You have to be able to hunt in certain zones and not pitch it. I mean, let's be honest. You're going to get one good pitch to hit in that bat. Sometimes you don't get any. So, you know, you got to be ready and convicted for that ball that you want to hit, that you're ready to hit. If you happen to get two, consider yourself lucky. But that's the importance and the focus and the concentration at every at-bat to be able to have conviction in what you're looking for. Sometimes you don't get it, but a lot of times you do. So it was interesting listening to your your press conference with uh, the media and then hearing you talk right now, Frank. There's differences going on in baseball. Some pitchers are trying to pitch at the top of the zone more. We've got all the shifting that's going on. But I guess what I'm hearing is like, look, we don't need to change a whole lot here. This is, uh, you know, and reinvent the wheel. It's kind. It's almost like if you were teaching in 1985, you'd be teaching the same stuff as you're teaching right now. Is that fair? Am I hearing that right? Yes, that's correct. 
Yeah. So I'll tell you what, Mark. Yeah. If, if if I'm a right hand hitter and they're shifting me on the left side of second base, I should be embarrassed. It's that simple. If I'm a left hand hitter and the and the third baseman is playing up the middle shortstop, I should be embarrassed. If I can't handle the bat and hit the ball to all parts of the field, I'm not a big league hitter. Now, some people argue and say, well, you're changing who you are and you're not getting off your A swing and you're not, you know, you're changing according to the defense. Yes, you're right, because I'm going to get on base. I'm not worried about my numbers. I'm going to get on base so we could score runs so we could win. I want to win a championship. That's, That's the mentality we have to have. With that mentality, you're going to get your numbers, especially with runners in scoring position, two outs. They want to shift you. You should be embarrassed if you can't hit an 83 hopper through the infield. Yeah, I just don't get it. Like, they're giving you a base hit. I, if, you're mm-hmm. a left, if you're a left-handed power hitter and they're giving you the whole left side, I'll take a single. I'll drop a bunt down. I'll walk to first base. I, I I get it. Maybe with two outs, you're down a run in the ninth inning. Okay, you're trying to take the ball out of the ballpark. But I, I sort of think that this is going to reshift all the way back where, where hitters are just going to start taking advantage of it and hitting 350 again. I, I don't know. It's, it sounds like if they're paying attention to what you're going to be coaching, Frank, a lot of that will happen. I want the opposing team to not shift any of my players. That's my goal as a hitting coach. We can't shift these guys. They'll hit it all over the field. And back to the down by one, man on third, two outs, down by down by one, or man on first, two outs, down by one, looking to hit a homer. Ask a major league hitter how many times they hit home runs when they're trying to. That's a good point. Yeah. You know? So if they're giving you that, great. Because you know what it does? It makes that pitcher on the mound go, what are we doing? Why aren't you there? Now he gets all flustered, and now we got first and second with two outs. Now a base hit ties it. You know, all that long ball stuff, that's going to happen by itself, but we have to be able to control the strike zone. We have to be able to get on base. We have to be able to put pressure on the defense. We have to run the bases better. We have to do all these little things to win, and that all starts with, coming up on deck, looking at the scoreboard, assessing the situation, getting in that box, having a plan on what you want to do. Where are you looking and what is your intent? And when you're worried about yourself, when you're focusing on yourself and you're focusing on what you want to do, I don't care what he throws. I don't care what he's going to try to do to me. I'm, out, I'm up here to do something, and I'm going to do it. Whether you do it, whether your plan was right or wrong, you could live with it because you had conviction in it. And then you start to learn what's right and what's wrong. Another thing, well, hold on, two things here. Let me we'll rhyme back before I make this point here, Frank. First of all, the New York is coming out of you, right? You, you grew, you're you an East Coast guy, Frank Manichino, right? That's where you grew up? Yes, yes. And so I'm, yes, born and I, raised in Staten Island. It's a, were you a Mets fan or a Yankees fan growing up or neither? You know what? That was neither. I, I mean, I rooted for both, but I was kind of a player guy. Okay. You know, I like different players and stuff. Lenny Dykstra, you know, guys like that, that, that I saw myself as. Wally Backman, you know, I used to watch those guys. Chuck Knobloch. I, lo- I rooted for all the small guys, Craig Dizio. 
So, you know, those are the guys that I like to watch, and those are the guys that I tried to play after. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, and I, I get it, you're rooting for guys that are similar to you, but you're mentioning some 86 Mets, and you're talking, I'm talking about down a run, and I'm thinking about when the Mets came back and forced Game 7 in the World Series in 86, they weren't taking the ball to the ballpark. Ray Knight was getting nope. a base, they, you know, they were getting base hits. Nope. So, nope, the Kansas City Royals weren't either when they won the World Series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you have a good approach, when you have a, when you have guys that are not worried about just hitting home runs and and having team at bats versus selfish at bat, you know, selfish at bats. You're gonna have bet. You're gonna grind that pitcher out. You're gonna grind at bats out. You're gonna wear the pitching out, and you're gonna come out on top. You know, it, it, it's every all your all the other power numbers and this and that will take care of himself when you just worry about sticking to your plan. Let's pause the conversation right there and come on back with Frank Manichino the new White Sox hitting coach, who I'm starting to fall in love with. Love this guy. A lot of passion there, clearly. You can hear it. Pick 10 plans on sale now. Get ready for the 2020 season with this flexible and affordable ticket plan. Pick your games, your opponents, your schedule with lower-level plans starting at just $205. You can visit WhiteSox.com to pick your plan today. And you can upgrade your game day in 2020 with premium seating you can enjoy an all-inclusive experience with packages starting for just 20 games. Cheer on your socks from the best seats in the house. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. The Frank Manichino interview is happening right now, and it's sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. We'll get into some of the White Sox hitters and continue with Frank's journey to the big leagues and what he's going to try to do with this club in 2020. White Sox Weekly till 6 o'clock on 720 WGN. Wow, what a play! 720 WGN, the team's flagship radio station. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Before we get back to the conversation with the new White Sox hitting coach, Frank Menachino, just want to give congratulations from all of us at WGN and from the White Sox as well. Illinois beating Wisconsin today. The undefeated Badgers, they were coming in 6-0. and And I know Illinois was at home, but come on now. Nobody thought the Illini out of nowhere. 24-23, 39-yard field goal from James McCord as time expired. And that, by far, is the biggest upset that Illinois has pulled in I don't know when and the biggest upset in college football all season long. And I know you Badger fans out there, it's a rough day. I know we have a lot of them. Adam Hogue does a ton of White Sox work here. A little bit of a White Sox fan, but uh, these things happen. Or a little bit of a Badger guy. These things happen. Of course, Adam's very much with Northwestern now, too. Uh, Bob Rosenberg who is the official scorer for White Sox baseball, uh, is a huge Illinois fan. So if Bob's listening, congratulations to Bob. It's a big day for Illinois and Lovey Smith and company. All right, let's bring in our guy, Frank Menachino, as we pick back up the conversation. Frank, you uh, started your career in the big leagues with the Oakland A's, and you know that team was awesome, and they were... You guys were winning 100 games a year for many years. Uh, what was it like coming up in that organization with the amount of talent that you had around you? You know, everyone asks me this question, and, and it's the same. 
Billy was smart enough to go and have a, a home core group of guys, and then he filled it in the team. With, he filled in the team with high on base guys. No one ever told us we had a walk. No one ever told us to take. It was nothing like that. He just got guys that were naturally high on base guys to get on for the free swinging top prospects that we had in that organization. And we used to call call ourselves like Misfit Island. We had pieces from all over the place that nobody wanted anymore, and they were brought together in Oakland, and here we are winning 100, 104, 102 games. And at the time, fighting for our lives to just get to the playoffs, winning all them games. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't hit and run much. We didn't bunt much. But when you think about it, we had guys that got on base. We would bunt when we had to. We would do it on our own. We would steal bases on our own sometimes. And we did what we had to do because we were a really close-knit bunch of guys that played for each other. And we knew what it took to win. I mean, you had a shortstop at Miguel Tejada that did not look like he should be taking the ball out of the ballpark, but he was just crushing baseballs. Yeah, he didn't walk. <laughs> right. he, 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 he followed the 11th Amendment, thou shall not walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, Ramon what, Hernandez did not walk. Yeah. No chance that Ramon was Ramon. Eric Chavez, if you walked him, you had to give him a pep talk. It's okay, Chavi, get him next time. <laughs> I'm just thinking about your journey here. I just think it's it's you know you got to the big leagues. You were 28. You had to grind your way to get there, Frank. Which uh, you know there's uh, one guy that you connected with this year, Danny Mendex, somewhat similar to you, right? Uh, yeah, very similar. So, how did you for yourself keep keep a level head about? Am I ever going to make it to the top? And just trying to be as good as you can be every day. You know, my dad knew how to push my buttons, and there was a time when I was 27 years old, and I'm riding the bus, and I'm sitting here saying, what am I doing? And I would always call my dad the bitch and complain, and he would just tell me, come home. Come home. How many people can say they played minor league baseball? Come on home. And I'd want to smash the phone. And I said, okay, I got to go. I'll see you later. And I just made it. I wanted to play in the big league so bad, so I just made it no other option. And when the brass would come into town and people would come to town, I just had that attitude like, I'll show you. Oh, you're in town to see this guy? I'll show you. I'll show you. You know, I didn't have a problem, you know, I didn't have a problem picking up my game or just excelling my game when people were around watching me. That that gave me the incentive that you, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You, can, you only play one position. All this stuff just drove me to say, we'll see. That's a ton of confidence right there. That's a belief. Yeah. A lot, I mean, a lot of guys, it's a separation, really. I mean, the, when you talk about who makes it to the big leagues or who makes it to the top in any sport, NBA, NFL, whatever you want to pick, it's not the talent. It's not just the talent is what I'm trying to say, I guess. You you, right. you better no, have way more guys better than me that never made it. Yeah, but you yeah, you had the drive. I loved how you just put it. There was there was no other option. I was going to make it. And I think a lot of right. people a lot of, I think a lot of people in life, Frank, they're they're scared to go all in like that because I guess they're worried perhaps that the failure is gonna be so painful that they won't recover from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some people think like that, but to me, you know, being around successful guys and being around watching how they 
they do their stuff. People think that superstars in the big leagues don't work. People think, oh, it just comes easy to them. They're wrong. They're so wrong. And I and, and I try to express to my guys, don't do it till you get it right. Do it till you never get it wrong again. That's what all stars do. That's what the best of the best do. They don't go in there in the cage and figure it out and say, oh, I got it. They don't come in the cage and take 10 horse swings and then all of a sudden take five good ones and go, oh, I got it. I'm going to leave. Whoa, where are you going? What? Those were good. Well, you got worse today. What do you mean? Well, you took 10 horse ones and five good ones. To me, you got worse. How about you take 10 good ones in a row and then leave? It's the mentality of, I just want to find something and then I'm good. No, that's, that's wrong. See, I think people listening to this are like, well, hold on a second. These millennials or these kids nowadays, you can't talk to them that way. And I like to make the point, look, it's more competitive now than it's ever been. Don't tell me those guys, don't tell me they don't want to work. There's more kids specializing more. uh, Come on. It's harder to get into college. It's hard. Every there's people are all in earlier in life. So, I mean, how would you respond to people like you can't talk to baseball players like that nowadays? No, I, I, someone asked me that question earlier and I, I never, I, I didn't even understand it. What do you mean? Either you want to be in the big leagues or you don't. All these kids want to be, I don't care when they're born. They all want to be in the big leagues. The thing is, the problem that I see with, with the youth today, there's so much wrong information easily accessible to them that they'll listen to anybody. So that's the problem. You know, the internet and going here and going there. You got to pick and choose who you're getting your information from. I had nobody. I never had a private lesson. I never had nothing private. I never had a big league guy to go to. Like, I'll go and help my friends' kids out, and, you know, they're 10, 11, 12. And then I have the parent come up to me and say, My kid's eight. I need you to work with them. For what? I don't want to call her. I don't want to flip them the ball. That's your job. I can't help your eight year old. Oh, this kid's going to be good. He's already getting recruited for college. I was like, okay, I got to go. Come on, man. I played all different sports. I did a million different things. So the bottom line is, of course they want to make it to the building. Of course they want to do. They're willing to do the work. You have to steer them in the right direction. And the problem with me is, is like people think I'm abrasive and people think that I'm, oh, he's straightforward. He's this, he's that. The bottom line is, is where do you want to do? How do you want to get there? You want to go the long way around or you want to take a shortcut? Because if you take the long way around, you're going to make the plenty of mistakes along the way so that when you finally get there, you're ready. There's no worse than getting there and finding out I'm not ready. That's, I guess, embracing the process, right? You're not exactly. going to be successful every day, man. But the, like, the tr- what you're talking about a little bit ago, as far as the great players, I mean, I'll relate it to basketball. I, I go to shoot around at 11 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game to do the media thing. Oh, there's Kobe Bryant, and he's shooting 8,000 fadeaways. That's the best player in the game, and he's relentless right now in a full lather at 11.30 in the morning for a 7 o'clock game, and he's done this a million times, and he's going to do it tomorrow. I watched Michael Jordan show up at White Sox spring training. First guy there, last guy to leave. He didn't care about that. I mean, he... Baseball wasn't even there for him, and here he is. First guy there, last guy to leave. 
I mean, come on, it's about putting the time in, trusting the process. And people always ask me about prospects. They always ask me about all the prospects. What I got this? What they want all the prospects in the big leagues. Well, hold up, hold up. They're not ready until they're ready. And guess what? It's easy to get there, easier to get there, but it's harder to stay. So, like I said to you before, you want to make sure that when you get there, you're ready. And I'm going to tell you, I'm no scout, but I've been around baseball, and I know it takes three years. I'm not even debating this. It takes three years, 1,500 at-bats, for a guy to figure out who he is in the big leagues. It took Christian Yelich, Riamuto, Stanton, Ozuna, D. Gordon, Miguel Rojas, all these guys that were with me, they'll all tell you it takes you about three years before you figure out who you are. Well, I don't understand why people don't understand that. Well, and to rewind back, as, as you mentioned, but if you're just joining us right now on White Sox Weekly, new hitting coach Frank Medicino with us, and you were the hitting coach in Miami. And Christian Yelich was a very good player down there, but he turned into Babe Ruth in, in Milwaukee. Did you see that coming as he was going to, hey, as this guy progresses, look out, because the talent is off the charts, and once he actually figures it out, like you're talking about 1,500-plus at-bats, he could be an MVP player? Or, or did that surprise you? that it, Like, oh, my God, I didn't think he'd get to that level. When I first saw Yelly as a player, there's one thing I knew he could do, and that is hit. My first year with him, he would and complain. Everybody would to complain about strike three, strike three. That's out. That's not a strike. It's not a strike. And I'd go upstairs. And only one time he was wrong. Only one time did I come down and say, no, that was a strike. It came back. It was a two-seamer in. It came back. No, that was a strike. Really? Yeah. One time. Ichiro would go up, would tell me that's a ball. I'd go upstairs. Ichiro was very rarely wrong. Other guys, wrong all the time. So when I first started seeing this guy hit, and, you know, to me, Yelly's 6'4", 200 pounds. I'm like, man, you got to gain weight. you got to gain weight. You're skinny. You're skinny. And then he starts hitting bombs in BP. I'm, and I'm like, holy cow. I didn't know you had that pop. But the leverage, the bat speed, the, bat, the barrel accuracy was off the charts. So once he figured out how to pull the ball – which takes you longer than it does to go the opposite field. Once he learned how to pull the ball and how to stay behind the ball and how to pick out, pick out his pitch, pick out his lanes, boom, he takes off. So to answer your question, hell yeah. Because his rookie year, he was hitting 180 in May and struggling, and they wanted to send him down. Hey, we're thinking about sending him down, taking the pressure off. I said, are you crazy? No way. Let him stay here and play. He'll figure it out. So he comes in the cage, and he's – I'm like, bro, are you, are, you, are you worried about getting sent down? Well, yeah, kind of. I'm hitting 180. I never hit 180 before. And, yeah, I'm kind of worried. I said, all right, listen, you're not getting sent down. I'm telling you that right now. You're not going anywhere. How do you know you don't? I said, because I know. And I straight out lied, and I said, Mike Hill came down here, and I, I asked him, and he said, no way. And – he told me, you're staying, so don't worry about it. Okay, all right. And I said, listen, let's go back to doing what we're doing. Everything's fine. We'll be laughing about this in July. And boom, he started hitting, took off. That's awesome. Yeah. 
I, I, I haven't so, been around him a ton, but when I have been around Yelly, he's just is. I mean, there's a calm confidence about him that's just it's it's, for lack of a better word, just attractive. Like, I want that dude on my team. Uh, all he's right. very quiet too. Yeah, he's quiet. You know, he's quiet. He's very humble. He knows how hard it is to hit in the big leagues. How do you look at it? Let's talk about a couple of the White Sox here before you go here, Frank. How, how do you look at a guy like Eloy, who's you know certainly doesn't have a traditional batting stance? Do, do you do anything different with a guy like that? No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Eloy's a rookie this year. Eloy just getting familiarized with what they're going to do to him. Eloy could hit. So I don't remember his numbers, but he hit 30 homers and whatnot, and I don't know what his average was, 250, whatever it was. What do you think Eric Chavez hit his rookie year? What do you think Tejada hit? Tejada hit 12 home runs his rookie year. You know, you look at these guys, a rookie year, he hit 30 homers. You don't change anything because when you clean up the approach and you clean up the plan and you clean up the conviction, a lot of – a lot of that mechanical stuff goes away. These guys knew how to hit before they got drafted, right? These guys were good enough to get drafted. These guys were good enough to hit 330 and AAA. The game doesn't all of a sudden change in the big leagues. It's just a little bit better, a little more consistent, and a little more knowledge. He hit uh, 267 for the record. I just wanted to double-check, make sure I had it right. That's what I'm saying. Like I think it's being downplayed. The dude hit 31 homers. As a rookie with, you know, a decent amount of hype around him, I, I, I thought he had a great year. Me too. It's, I guess, you know, there's so many home runs in baseball now that maybe people just don't look look at 30 homers like it's nothing. But, you know, for a 22-year-old kid hitting 31 bombs, that, that's, I mean, who knows what the future is going to be there. Hey, what what happened? One guy that I rooted for a ton, Frank, is, is Adam Engel. And clearly something happened when he went down to AAA and came back this year because he was a different hitter. How would you explain that? Getting in his head, getting to speak his language, knowing his language, talking to him. It took me a while to break through and talk to this kid and say, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're thinking. He needs reinforcement every day. He's a raw talent that needs guidance and, and, and has to come. I basically make it his idea. I get him to do something and I make it his idea because when it's his idea, he won't forget it. So... Stuff like that, you work with Engel, who's got a lot of power, and we just tweaked a couple of things, and, man, I'm telling you, it's all about approach with him. Yeah. Where am I looking? What am I going to do? What do you do? And, and I appreciate the time, Frank. Uh, I'll let you go in two seconds here. But I, I think a lot of people are like, well, how, how, do you, how, how do you even help Tim Anderson? What do you do with a guy who won the batting title? How do you help him, I guess, maintain and maybe – I don't know. I, perhaps you can, he can improve on getting on base, but that also that just might not be him, right? So, what, what's your outlook with Tim? Well, first you got to talk to him. First, you got to see where he wants, what, where he's at, what he wants to do. Everybody always wants to improve, wants to improve, wants to improve. How about we do it again? How about we do the exact same thing again? How about we improve on certain things? Maybe it's chase rate. Maybe it's swinging out of the zone. Maybe it's putting pressure to drive a guy in. How about we don't do anything different except clean up what we already have? Tim's a worker, man. I'm sure you know this. That that's someone yeah. he, he's going to want to. I'm sure he'll embrace whatever whatever's coming. Hey, 
I loved the conversation, Frank, and we'll, we could talk about more White Sox hitters down the line, but it was, it was more fun just to get to know you today. So thank you for sharing and talking baseball. was awesome. You got it, Mark. Take care, buddy. There you go. Frank Manichino, the new White Sox hitting coach. Any reaction? You is welcome. 312-981-7200. White Sox fans, how do you feel about the new batting coach who's going to be directing the White Sox hitter as we move into 2020? Quick timeout. White Sox Weekly continuing until 6 o'clock. Tyler Johnson coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. This is 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Thanks again to the new hitting coach, Frank Menachino, for jumping on this afternoon. And uh, yes, that's going to be a different voice as the White Sox will be working in the cage and working with Frank now. And of course, uh, best of luck to Todd Steverson in his next stop in baseball, wherever that will be. Also, a happy 70th birthday to our guy, Ed Farmer, his birthday was yesterday, and I actually just sent Ed a happy birthday text, asked if he's around, so maybe Farmio will jump on the program this afternoon. But courtesy of the old Twitter, there he is, Farmio, a solid picture of the White Sox put up at White Sox, Farmio on the mound at the old and original and beautiful and amazing, and I'll always miss it, the original Comiskey Park uh, wearing the sweet home uniform, and now 70 years young Ed Farmer. Uh, coming up again in the 5 o'clock hour, Tyler Johnson will be with us. Uh, Tyler pitched for A Birmingham this year. He's a fifth-round draft pick in 2017 out of South Carolina. He's also a huge football fan. Love of the Gamecocks. A lot of college football this afternoon. Illinois beating Wisconsin 24-23. That's a stunner. And coming up on 720 WGN at 6 o'clock tonight, we will have Penn State and Michigan. This is one hell of a football game that you will be able to hear tonight right here. Uh, Ohio State looks like the best team in the Big Ten by about 8 million miles. Uh, cracking Northwestern yesterday 52-3. to uh, but Penn State is undefeated, and Michigan has one loss, and that'll be a great game tonight. So 6 o'clock, our pregame, and then 6.30 will be the kickoff. And, of course, the American League Championship Series continuing tonight as well. I'm not ruling out the New York Yankees. I'm just not. Even though the Astros still have ace in the hole, Garrett Cole, who White Sox fans are very interested in to see if the White Sox will be a player in the Garrett Cole sweepstakes. But the more you dig into that one, top, he's going to get the most money of any free agent pitcher in the history of the game. And he's a West Coast guy, and teams like the L.A. Dodgers are expected to be involved. So the money is going to be enormous. I think it's pretty safe to say that we can cross that one off the list. And it's an investment that I would not make. $30 million deals for pitchers at six, seven, eight, nine years, whatever it's going to be, that just never seems to work out well. A lot of other interesting names out there. Madison Bumgarner is one that I'd love to see the White Sox in on, and we'll see what happens there. Quick timeout news is coming up, then Tyler Johnson after 5 o'clock on 720 WGN. At the wall, the 380, gone! A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. 
White Sox Weekly until 6 o'clock. And we got college football right here on 720 WGN. Penn State and Michigan. That should be a great one. And yes, a lot of action in college football today, including Illinois beating Wisconsin. I'm just going to keep doing that. Not that I went to Illinois, not that I even root for Illinois. It's a big day for the Illini. You don't beat the number 6 team in the country undefeated very often. And it certainly hasn't happened down in Champaign in forever. But they did it today, 24-23. to Tyler Johnson, AA Birmingham, and uh, a 2017 fifth-round draft pick out of South Carolina is coming up. We'll talk to him at 520. Got a little bit of a window if you want to jump on in here. 312-981-7200. I'd like to play a little game with you. The game is this. It's called Carms Who Will Perform Better in 2020 Than They Did in 2019. Who will be having a season that you're like, OMG, that dude really took off in 2020 and you really didn't see it coming. Now, let's rewind back to 2018 and we're going into the offseason. Did anybody think that a 240 hitting Tim Anderson was going to come into 2019 and somehow, some way, win the American League batting title hitting 335? 498 at bats, 167 hits, 32 doubles, 18 homers. Kind of amazed that Tim, Tim Anderson did not have a triple in 2019. That's not going to happen in 2020. But the numbers were ridiculous. Now, he only walked 15 times. That number needs to come up. He did steal 17 bases. And the OPS, which you want at 800, was at 865, which is phenomenal for a shortstop. But that would be that would have been the guy last year, right? I think that Tim Anderson is going to have a breakout season, hit close to 300, and then you would have been right. 312-981-7200. Other candidates, if you go back to 2018, breakout guys. It's hard to say that Jose Abreu had a breakout season, but he had never, ever led the American League in RBIs. And 123 of them. That was impressive. 33 homers was impressive. The batting average, 284, also impressive. And an OPS of 834. Jose Abreu... That would have worked if you had said Jose Abreu was going to be an even better Jose Abreu in 2019. 634 at-bats this year for Jose Abreu. All right, so who do we got as our candidates? And, by the way, we can go to pitchers. The biggest breakout candidate this year as you are from 2018 to 2019, that's a no-brainer, it's, of course, Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito, worst, Amer- worst ERA in the American League last year, worst ERA in baseball, well over six. This year, 3.41 in 176 and two-thirds innings of work. And Lucas winning 14 games, making 29 starts. You want to give up one hit or less per inning. Giolito gave up 131 hits in 176-plus innings. That's excellent. Great year for Lucas. So that's where I'm going to start with my... The easiest, I think, to predict going into 2020... Ronaldo Lopez is going to have that breakout year. You saw it in the second half. 
He pitched a whole lot better and still had a little bit of a up-and-down, roller-coaster-type trajectory. But overall, in the second half, he was a lot better. And I think that the stuff is there. And I think Ronaldo Lopez is also going to thrive on a team that is actually, hopefully, trying to compete to be in the playoffs. I mean, that is the White Sox plan in 2020. So when you look at the numbers last year, an ERA of 5.38, not good. Gave up 203 hits in 184 innings, way too many. He walked 65 guys, which was tops on the staff. Lucas was second with 57, and Ivan Nova, we'll see if he's back, with 47, but way too many walks. His strikeouts ratio was fine, about one an inning. But Ronaldo Lopez is just simply better than that. He's better than a 10-15 and 15 pitcher. And I can, I've talked to some White Sox fans who want the Sox to move on from Lopez, get whatever value they can right now, and they don't think that he's ever going to be anything. I disagree with that. I think, I think Ronaldo Lopez is going to be huge in 2020. Now I'll give you another guy. Under the radar prediction. And I mentioned him with Frank Menachino. Adam Engel has a chance to be in that starting lineup come opening day. The White Sox are going to be aggressive in the offseason looking to add an outfielder, and maybe that'll be a center fielder. But if it's not a center fielder, and they end up with more, say, a DH type like J.D. Martinez, you could very much strategize, you know what, we want to help our pitchers, and we want to put the best outfield defense that we can possibly put out there to start the year. And without question, that would have Adam Angle in center field. And my guess is that Luis Robert does not start the season with the club. That'll come up before the end of May, before the end of April, rather. But even if he does, you could put Robert in right, have Angle in, in center, and then you've got Aloy in left. And you do have to cover some of Eloy's defense, right? That's obvious. But now you got an elite center fielder, you got an elite right fielder, and the pitching staff will absolutely love it. So that gets him in the lineup. And then what he does with it from there, here's a guy who ended up the year hitting two forty two. He had six homers, twenty six RBIs. So that's not exactly super sexy, right? But when he came up late in the year, and you just heard the hitting coach, Frank Manichino, it seems like he was able to reach Adam Engel at AAA. The guy looked like a different player to me. So, if you combine the White Sox trying to win, putting the best defense possible in the outfield, and perhaps not willing to pay huge money for the outfielders that are available this season in free agency, Adam Engel very well may get a shot. And if he does... I actually think he's going to take off. Now, by taking off, I think I'm talking about a 280 hitter with 20 homers and a guy who plays a phenomenal center field. So mark it down. You are listening to White Sox Weekly, whenever today is, October the 19th, and Carm told you that Adam Engel in 2020 was going to be awesome. Curtis, did you mark the tape on this? I did. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. So that's my outside-the-box pick.
Adam Angle in 2020. SoxFest returns January 24th and 25th in a new location. That would be McCormick Place. The two-day Fan Fest will span more than 100,000 square feet, offering more ways to connect with your favorite Sox stars. SoxFest 2020, presented by Beggar's Pizza, Guaranteed Rate, Old Dominion Freight Line, Securian Financial, and Wintrust. Single and two-day passes are on sale now. You can get yours at whitesox.com slash SoxFest. Of course, looking forward to that. And it'll be here before you know it, January 24 and 25. And a reminder, get your tickets for 2020-2020 ticket packages on sale now. You can secure your seat with a 20-game plan. You should find the plan that meets your schedule and your budget with lower-level plans starting at just $403. $403. That's 20 bucks a ticket to sit in the lower level. That is a steal. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312 674 1,000. All right, coming up here, we're going to talk to Tyler Johnson. Before we take a quick time out, let me give you one more CARM breakout candidate for 2020. Now, James McCann can't be that candidate, and neither can Aloy, and neither can Yoan Moncada, and neither can Leori Garcia. And maybe this is a little bit unfair because he hasn't been here yet. But I really think that Nick Madrigal is going to take this city by storm. I think he's going to come here, and I think he's going to start hitting, and he's not going to stop. And he's going to play a great second base, and I think you're going to see Madrigal jerseys popping up all over guaranteed right field. That is a guy that's just going to be easy to root for. He's going to, he's going to reek of just an absolute perfect player on the south side. Nick Madrigal... White Sox fans, you're going to love him. The way he goes about his business every day, head down, ready to work, nose to the grindstone, and he's not going to hit bombs, but he's going to be hustling all over the field. So I'm not expecting a slow start, or that's fine. He can have, I'm not going to predict the exact first 10 games of his career, but I don't I don't expect him to go anywhere. Once he gets here, I think he's going to stay here, and I think he's going to be awesome. So I'm super excited about what Nick Madrigal's going to do. I won't even say Luis Robert because that is, uh, you know, that's that's boring. Everybody knows that Luis Robert's going to be great, but I think Madrigal could end up having even an even better rookie season than Luis Robert. Just come on up here, start hitting, and never stop, and play a great, great second base. All right, quick timeout. We'll come on back with Tyler Johnson. I think you'll enjoy this interview coming up here with the White Sox. Fifth-round draft picked in 2017, playing on the Arizona Fall League, and he's going to be playing for the United States Olympic team as they try to make it to Tokyo in 2020. That is next on White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN White Sox Weekly, and we've got a prospect on the line. The six three right hander, two hundred and five productive pounds, playing in the Arizona Fall League, making all star games in the Arizona Fall League, and just recently been named to the next United States Olympic team. Tyler Johnson, welcome to White Sox Weekly. Good to speak to you. Hey Mark, thank you for having me. So you you turned your season around after a, a slow start with the injury. Talk, talk about how I guess it wasn't it couldn't have been easy at the start, but uh, you certainly have found your footing here. Yeah, so the injury was just um, you know uh, we always say that injuries are athletes' greatest adversity, 
um, that or yourself. So, um, you know, just coming back from that was a trip in itself. But once I was able to get back on the mound and kind of get my foot under me and uh, really start doing what I did uh, last year, um, things started to fall in place. And hopefully they continue as we continue to work out um, different kinks and and uh, work on new pitches and stuff so I can be in Chicago at some point. Yeah, and I think I should, just so for people who are not following closely along at home, and we we don't expect you to be as on top of everything as we are here at 720 WGN. Tyler, you were out with a lat strain. Um, were, were you at all concerned, and that was you know a two-plus month injury, were you at all concerned you wouldn't be able to pitch at all this year? No, not 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 at any point. Was I The lat injury is a muscle strain. So muscle strain, uh, you just got to, you got to wait until your body kind of recovers by itself. Um, so you're on your body's time. Um, so we just had to take a little bit longer than we had expected. Um, there wasn't a point where I didn't think I was going to get back this year, and I was really excited to get back. Um, but sometimes you just got to pump the brakes and, and take the back seat to, uh, to healing. And you were pitching with the AA Birmingham Barons this year, uh, for the most part at least. What what was Omar telling you at the time? Was were you pounding on the manager's door saying, "Hey, I'm ready, coach," or and he was saying, "Hey, just you know, take your time. We want you to be 100." percent What were those conversations like? Well, no, the uh, not really. The, the training staff really had to, you know, pump my brakes a little bit. You know, as an athlete, you always want to get out there. Um, you always have your friends that leave. Uh, during spring training, and you want to catch up with them, so they'll definitely uh, they'll be hitting up your phone all the time, and um, you got to make them understand. But uh, as soon as I started throwing again on the mound, you know, I was shooting texts, you know, telling my friends, coaches, uh, the training stuff to watch out, you know, um, that uh, I was going to come back and uh, wasn't too far around the corner. Yeah, and you you spent your your college career with South Carolina. You you didn't you didn't mind that football win the other week, did you? No, I didn't. And uh, we got a big game on right now. <laughs> the game. Who are the Gamecocks playing today? Uh, we're playing Florida. Oh, no. uh, number nine. So hopefully we can take down three and then nine. We'll see you though. Yeah. Well, what was now? You you pitched exclusively out of the bullpen in college. Is that right? Uh, outside of two exceptions, but yes, most, mostly out of the bullpen. Okay. Were you, were you hoping to be a starter, or how was what was your mindset? You know, going into your college career. Yeah, so uh, I, I pretty much begged the coaching staff each year to become a starter. Um, my sophomore year, I started one game and actually threw a complete game. So um, I figured, you know, going into my junior year, I'd be competing for a uh, starting spot. But they said that I'd be more valuable to them as the closer. So, um, you know, you don't argue with the coaches at a school like that, and, you know, you trust the process, and everything happens for a reason. So I was fully bought into that role. I really enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, yeah, just purebred uh, reliever now. <laughs> and you were drafted by the White Sox in 2017 in the fifth round, and I know they were thrilled to get you at that point. Uh, I, I'm assuming the same stuff with as far as – the White Sox system that's basically been, you know, you're a reliever and that's where we want you? Right. There's uh, some talks to start uh, just to work on, you know, get more pitches on your belt, more repetitions and stuff like that. But we've pretty much stuck with the relieving route the entire time. What do you throw, Tyler? Uh, I'll throw fastball, uh, 
breaking ball and a changeup to three pitches. And and what are you most comfortable with? Fastball. I'm a, I'm a fastball <laughs> type guy. <laughs> Every, has that been a adjustment for you? Because in baseball now, everyone's talking about spin rate and pitching up in the zone. Have you made that adjustment yourself? Is it is it come easy for you? Are, are they coaching it differently? What would you say? It's more been brought to my attention. Um, in college, uh, I was still the same pitcher. You know, I threw with my fastball a lot, and guys would swing and miss. Um, and we were just kind of we just kind of said, okay, well, they just you know they're not seeing a fastball well. Um, but when I got into professional baseball, we really started to understand why. And I have a certain type of carry on my fastball; it makes it hard to hit. So, like that kind of stuff has been brought into play. And as you work through your through uh, the system, uh, you really try to learn how to really make your fastball do the same thing every time, right? So I want to have carry every time I throw a fastball. Obviously, as baseball, it doesn't always work out that way, but you want to make it as good as possible. In the pro ball, we've definitely worked on that kind of stuff. And when I'm reading about you, it, it says that quote unquote your changeup still needs work. Does that bother you? Does that is that accurate? Does it bother you? What would you if when you read a scout saying that? What do, what are your thoughts? I think it's pretty silly to actually throw my changeup uh, more than any other off speed pitch. Um, it's probably the pitch that I have the most confidence with. Um, so uh, I've been wondering for a few years where that reports come um, because I know in our system, you know, we believe I have a uh, plus changeup. Uh, one that I can go to, I throw strikes with. It ranges from anywhere from 89 to, uh, or, yeah, 89 to about 85, depending on what I'm trying to do with it, uh, make it break or have it be in the zone. You know, it doesn't really bother me because I know how kind of pitcher I am. So, yeah. um, you know, I'll continue to throw it. And uh, I'm sure somewhere down the road, somebody will say, well, man, this changeup's gotten a lot better and they'll look pretty good for it. But, uh, you know, it's just the same pitch. The entire time, I learned it uh, when I was in Kannapolis, uh, learning from our pitching coach there. So um, I've been pretty confident with it. Interesting. Tyler Johnson, who's throwing that change up comfortably and uh, throwing that 9,900-mile-an-hour fastball as well. We'll continue the conversation coming up after 5.30. We can get a check of news. White Sox weekly till 6 on 720 WGN. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox. 720 WGN. Jerry Reinsdorf, his other team, the Chicago Bulls, start their season on Wednesday night playing at Charlotte. So good luck to Jerry and the basketball club on having a season that hopefully ends with the Bulls making the playoffs, just like the White Sox will be trying to make the playoffs in 2020. Mark Carmen with you on White Sox Weekly. Stay up to date on all things White Sox this offseason by signing up for the free White Sox blacklist. You get breaking news, prospect updates, special ticket offers, and more delivered right to your inbox. Visit whitesox.com slash blacklist to sign up today. Let's continue our conversation with Tyler Johnson, who is pitching in the Arizona Fall League and pitched for double-A Birmingham this year. Tyler, you can throw 100 miles an hour, which is amazing, uh, but I feel like you can also get trapped into wanting to see that on the radar gun. How do you balance you know, not pitching to the gun and just pitching to get guys out? Right, so it's, uh, you know, pitching is funny. Um, I, I can hit 100. Um, I've done it before. I oftentimes, you know, settle in the 90s 
93 to 97, 98, touching 99 train. Um, just having to do based on the uh, on the count. Um, you know, if you try to throw hard or hardest every pitch, oftentimes it won't be a strike. Um, you know, you're at a level now where you got to locate, um, and I'm still continuing to work on that. And it's, um, you know, if, if you just throw as hard as you can every time, the, the, the ball start becoming scattered, and guys at this level can hit it. So, uh, you know, you try to work on your quality of pitch rather than uh, the velocity, even though it's nice to have in the tank. Closers have quirks, Tyler. Do, do you have anything that you do that's out of the ordinary? Uh, no, not really. Um, to be honest with you, uh, I, I really don't. I'm pretty, uh, pretty just a typical bullpen guy. You know, bullpeners are kind of weird in general uh, <laughs> because you got to deal with yourself for nine innings of the whole baseball game. You know? <laughs> um, but no, no weird course. Who who do you t- speak with the most in the bullpen when you're just hanging around in the second, third, fourth inning, waiting for your opportunity? Well, this year it was kind of kind of different just because I was around a lot of teams. Yeah, um, you know, I, I was in rehab in uh, Arizona, and then rehab in Winston Salem, and then was up in Birmingham. Um, but last year, uh, I talked a lot with uh, Danny DePico. Um, he was also in Birmingham and w- with Winston last with me last year. So, um, and he's also in Kannapolis when I was there. So we become pretty good friends, and you know, become each other's support system. So it's been he's a great friend and somebody you can talk to. Yeah, Tyler Johnson with us here on White Sox Weekly. 23 strikeouts, only 6 walks, 10 hits, and 18 in the third innings this year for the Barons. And then just uh, pitching in the Arizona Fall League where, let's see, your numbers were 6 in the third, 1 strikeout, 4 walks, and you you made it into the All-Star team there, Tyler. That had, that had to feel pretty damn good, right? Right, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know how they selected me out of a whole bunch of relievers. Uh, I've just been good. You know, I don't know if I've been necessarily all-star stats, but I definitely appreciated the opportunity and tried to make most of it. And what about this Olympic opportunity? You've you've done it before, and now you're on the team that's trying to qualify to, in 2020 to play in Tokyo. Joe Girardi's managing this team, getting to play with you know some of your best contemporaries. It's a huge opportunity, plus you get to obviously represent your country, which isn't too bad either. Right, yeah. So it's uh, like you mentioned. I did the collegiate national team back when I was in school, um, and it was actually funny. About three weeks ago, I was telling uh, one of my friends how uh, I, I wish I could do that again. Um, that I enjoyed it so much, and you know, I kind of missed it. And uh, about three days after that conversation, I got a phone call from him asking if I'd like to be on the team, and uh, uh, so it's kind of weird timing on that. You know, obviously I'm honored, and anytime you put on that jersey, you play for something. You know, it's America's game. We want to get the United States to the Olympics. So there's a lot on the line, and, um, you know, I was just really excited for it. What do you know about Joe Girardi? He's, he has, he's had a pretty good uh, career over there. Yeah, the, uh, the rumor on the is he's a pretty good manager. Um, <laughs> you know, he's a pretty sought-after manager right now as well. Um, so we'll see where he ends up, but you know that opportunity is uh, maybe one of the most exciting uh, as a whole. So I'm excited to have him in the same dugout. And moving into 2020, here is uh, obviously goal number one: staying healthy and all that. But are you are you eyeing perhaps? You know what? If I do what I can do here, I might have a shot to get up to guaranteed right field next year. 
Yeah, so uh, uh, fun facts about me, I'm really goal-oriented, starting with very detailed goals to very big goals. So I wouldn't say I'm necessarily eyeing it, um, but it's written down. Uh, I'll tell you that. And, uh, you know, I have a plan as to how it's going to happen. So each day I'll wake up and, and, and look over my goals, and I'll make sure I do the little things and the detailed things. And, uh, you know, I trust that doing these things will will get me to where I need to go. Um, so, um, but again, you know, you don't necessarily eye it. You just got to trust the trust process, as they say. So, uh, you know, you always trend upwards. I love that. I think it's important wherever you're at in life to be doing that type of stuff. I need to do it myself, Tyler, for the record. What, do you, what else is on What else is on that goal list that you actually look at every day, which is it's one thing to make the list, right, but it's another thing to actually incorporate it into your daily routine where I'm looking at this and I'm holding myself accountable. Right. Well, I actually have a list in my locker, and then I have a list at home. Um, you know, and stuff at home kind of includes, you know, to eat right, uh, get your rest, you know, don't do anything that's going to hurt your body kind of thing. And then uh, at the field, you have written down everything that you need to do that day. My list grew a little bit with this injury, um, you know, at the beginning of the year. So there's a lot of uh, arm care, body care, flexibility stuff that I do now to try to make sure I stay healthy. So there's stuff off the field in the training room and weight room. And then there's uh, on the field stuff. So during catch play, things that I need to focus on um, mechanically, uh, you know, where where my weight shifts need to be, you know, direction, you know, work on secondary pitches and just and catch play to make sure you focus because, you know, you don't always throw every day in, in a game, right? So uh, it's important to focus during before the game. You know, it seems kind of like pitchers are just playing around out there, but, you know, it's important not to not to go about it in a joking manner. So just kind of stuff each day like that. And, uh, you know, I, I believe – I thoroughly believe if I do it every day for, you know, another year, year and a half, it'll get me where I need to go. Where do you credit this discipline from? Were mom and dad detail-oriented like that? Did you learn it from a coach? Did you, I don't know, reading somewhere along the line and realizing this could be good for you? I get it from my mom. My mom's one of the detail-oriented people I know. But I also, growing up, idolized Muhammad Ali. You know, I grew up watching all this stuff, documentaries, everything that I could get my hands on. I was just completely fascinated um, by him, uh, how he treated people, but also how he went about his athletic career and uh, how he's competitive, how he believes in himself, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I kind of picked it up just growing up from maybe age 10 all the way to now. Uh, that's probably my mom and Muhammad Ali. We'll put it at that. I mean, he, Muhammad's on your Twitter. Uh, you know, that's your. What do they call that thing up top? Uh, your your canvas or something? Yeah, header maybe. Your header. There we go. I'm an ordinary man who worked hard to develop the talent I was given. I believe in myself, and I believe in the goodness of others. Muhammad Ali. Not many people would say that Muhammad Ali was an ordinary man. So it's interesting to hear him name it like that, right? Right. Yeah, it is. You know, but it kind of puts uh, where his mental is at. You know what, how how humble he was, and you, you're. Uh, I, I've seen in a couple of places you're 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 big on spirituality, Tyler. Is that that uh, something you grew up with as well? Yes, yes, I did. You know, it's my rock. 
as it's uh, throughout my life, so as it should be. Yeah, it's just, you know, you wouldn't be anywhere without Jesus Christ and our Lord. So it's, uh, you know, you just give thanks every day. And I'm blessed. Not everybody gets to say they play a game for their job. You know, I had this injury this last year, but, you know, I've been, you know, been blessed to be able to come back and stay relatively healthy, you know, throughout my entire baseball career and get to where I need to be. Uh, I've had a lot of friends that, you know, that, you know, they get hurt and they just kind of stop playing baseball. So there's a lot of things to be thankful for in this world, and sometimes that gets lost, I feel like. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And that, that, let's, let, let's wrap up on that one. I think for all you guys who are in, in the minors and maybe not the number one prospect, you kind of got to handle that I may make it and I may not. And right. And you can't let that dominate your every day, right? You just got to follow the routine that you're talking about. But I am curious, you know, from from your experience, how do you handle just, look, I'm just going to try to be the very best I can today and not worry about things that I can't control. Like, Talk about that, I would assume, a little bit of a roller coaster in, in doing that every day. Or maybe it's maybe it's not for you. But that's how, I, if it was me, that's how it would be. I, I would have to fight that. Yeah, so it's definitely something you have to uh, battle every day. Because say you go out and uh, you're trying to work on something, you're trying to learn, you're, you have good intent in everything that you want to do, and you go in the game, and it fails. It fails on you. Uh, and the stat line looks absolutely horrendous. And then in this day and age, you have people that, you know, like to follow minor leagues, and uh, we call them stat scouts. <laughs> so they'll look at uh, your scout, your uh, your line, and you might get some 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 lash from it. And so you, you got to learn to be man enough to take it. I always say short-term success versus long-term development. So uh, you just got to be trusting in the process, like you said. You just got to be detail-oriented. You got to know what you're trying to do. And uh, if you believe in it, I thoroughly believe that it'll work out. But, you know, if it doesn't, then, you know, I I really did everything I could. <laughs> and, uh, and you go out of the game that way. Something everybody learns, everybody goes about it a different way, but that's how I go about it. It's great stuff, man, and and I appreciate you taking time on a football Saturday to uh, interrupt some Gamecock love to to talk with us today. And uh, best of luck, man. I, I uh, you know, hey, we hope to see you at Guaranteed Rate Field sooner than later. And but I, number one, just keep on enjoying the process, man, and getting to do what you're doing because even you know it's it's a rare opportunity to be where you're at. So you should be celebrating that uh, just from my little humble corner of the world. Not many people get to play double A baseball, triple A where you're headed wherever. So it's it's awesome, man. Congratulations. Right. Well, I appreciate that and I'm helping the uh South Side win here soon. Absolutely. Tyler Johnson, appreciate your time. No, thank you, Mark. Quick timeout 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN, taking you up to the top of the hour. Penn State and Michigan coming up. Pre-game show at 6 and then the kickoff at 6.30. Both Penn State and Michigan chasing the Buckeyes of Ohio State, who look like they might be the best team in the country. They certainly handled Northwestern last night. Uh... 52-3. to That was not the Cats' best performance. Hopefully they'll get it turned around. 
with Iowa coming in next weekend. Uh, the big news from college football today, of course, Illinois upsetting Wisconsin. I've mentioned that numerous times, Illini fans. You should be very happy with how much love we've given you. 24-23 as the Illini get it done at home. Uh, and baseball tonight, Game 6, the Astros and the Yankees in Houston. It's a bullpen matchup tonight. Garrett Cole will start, if necessary, in Game 7. There was one bit of news this week uh, that may impact the White Sox down the line here, more specifically their minor league system. So Major League Baseball is now in negotiations with their minor league teams. They're trying to, quote, reorganize elements of the system, and that could reduce the number of affiliated teams from 160 down to 120. And apparently this is going to mostly impact the lower levels. So Winston-Salem and Kannapolis. And there's a reason why minor league baseball has been as popular as it is, right? It's called sunshine, it's called beer, it's called hot dogs, it's called summertime. You don't have the same luxury in the minor leagues for basketball or certainly football, which doesn't really apply at all, or hockey. And hockey has done a a nice job in... I mean, certainly Chicago Wolves have been a huge success, the Rockford High Sox, all that. But there's something about baseball where it really doesn't necessarily need to be a super high quality right on the field for people to want to come on out. And you don't need to know the players' names. You just want to come on out to the ballpark, drink a beer, eat a hot dog, be with your family, not pay a ton of money. And that works on all levels. But it's just interesting. They want to reduce it from 160 to 120. All these things have to be a money play. And apparently Major League Baseball is looking to make some major changes. And part of it is going to be upping the quality um, of your experience if you're going to a minor league game. They're in discussions with the owners of minor league teams to reorganize elements of the system with the goal of improving working conditions for minor league players. So that whole, you know, you make $400, $500 a month, and every single meal you have is at McDonald's, and you're getting paid like you're you know, not on your way to the big leagues, that model might be headed the way of bye-bye. You're, it's, it seems like teams want to invest in their players at the lowest levels because you know one day you could be in the big leagues and we want to give you a chance to do that to the best of our capabilities. So they write that other major changes would involve overhauling the full-season minor leagues and shuffling teams from AAA, AA, high class A, low class A. Baseball America was the first person to report this. So how that ever will play out with Charlotte and Birmingham and whatnot, that's just uh, something to keep an eye on here. Let's do our final timeout. Come on back. We'll wrap it on up as the uh, college football is coming up. White Sox Weekly. Thanks to Tyler Johnson again for jumping on. Love talking to him. Young man who's going to pitch for the Olympic team for the second time, trying to make the t- uh, try to get that squad to Tokyo in 2020 and working his way to the big leagues. Pitching in the Arizona Fall League and also at Double A Birmingham. Quick timeout, White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. Wrapping up, White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. College football right around the corner. Penn State and Michigan pregame at 6, and the kickoff is at 6 30. White Sox fans, secure your seats for the 
2020 season today. Ticket packages are on sale now. Get yours, and you'll have access to the best seats, the best prices, the best benefits guaranteed rate field has to offer. For more information, visit whitesocks.com or call 312-674-1000. Now, we do have American League Championship Series Baseball tonight. Which, by the way, beautiful day in Chicago. Think about it next year, 2020. What would it look like at Guaranteed Rate Field under some 60-degree skies? That would be sweet. That's right, dreaming it big here. There is a little bit of White Sox history for you diehard, diehard, diehards out there with tonight's game with the Astros and the New York Yankees. Brad Peacock, good old Brad Peacock, is going to be the starter for the Astros tonight. All right, now a lot of you may not know who Brad Peacock is. I barely know who Brad Peacock is. But that doesn't matter. He's starting tonight. Chad Green is going to start for the Yankees out of the bullpen. So it's a bullpen matchup. Bullpen via bullpen. Now why is this relevant to the White Sox? I will explain. Brad Peacock is becoming just the fourth pitcher to finish a postseason game, which he did in Game 5, and then start the next day on zero days rest. How about that? 1924 is the last time this happened. That would be Furpo Marbury for the Washington Centers. Good old Furpo. In 1924, he did it. Before that, it was 1910. That would be three-finger Mordecai Brown for your Chicago Cubs in 1910. But then in 1906, finished one game, started the next, the great Doc White for your Chicago White Sox. I'd like to thank ESPN Stats and Info for that one. But that is the relevancy of Brad Peacock tonight for the Astros and the White Sox. Doc White. Phone lines are open here, 312-981-7200 for anybody in the White family to call and celebrate Doc right now or what they remember from that performance in 1906. Doc White was on the mound. Uh, Also, as we look back on dates in baseball history, earlier this week, October 16th, you go back 14 years prior, 2005, and that's right, the Chicago White Sox made their way to the World Series, beating the Anaheim Angels at the time four straight complete games. One of the most... Really just incredible accomplishments. Nobody saw that coming. Mark Burley, John Garland, Freddie Garcia, and Jose Contreras in Game 4 gets the ground ball to Paul Konerko as the White Sox went on to the World Series. And then you tie it back in there again to those Houston Astros where the Sox, of course, went on to sweep the Astros. They lost one game, one game to the Angels to win the World Series in 2005. But that was it. October 16th, the White Sox punching their ticket to the World Series. And, of course, we've all been waiting for them to go back and do it again. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. White Sox Weekly is going to be shifting from the two hours that we did today to one hour uh, starting next Saturday. But uh, the show, of course, will be going on 
all year long, one hour. Most times it's going to be on from 4 until 5 o'clock. But uh, the White Sox are going to have a very, very busy offseason. Garrett Cole, probably not. But Madison Bumgarner, maybe. J.D. Martinez, possible. Outlier, maybe a guy like Nicholas Castellanos, who the Cubs can't afford. Did come out this week that the Cardinals are supposedly interested in Castellanos. Interesting end of the season for St. Louis, who had a great year, but got swept out in the NLCS. The Washington Nationals going to the World Series for the first time ever, and Davey Martinez, team was 19-31 and to start the season. Remember that. The White Sox start slow next year in 2020. Teams can turn their way around, and the Nationals certainly did it this year. The only team now to never play in the World Series, that would be the Seattle Mariners. Which is kind of hard to believe, right? Ken Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson, Ichiro. You would think at some point Seattle would have gotten over the hump. But they're the only team now to never have played in the World Series as the, the Nationals get it done. Want to thank uh, Curtis Koch for producing the program today. Thank you, Curtis, as always. Thank you to Tyler Johnson uh, for jumping on uh, in the middle of now his offseason, getting ready for the Olympics. And our conversation with the White Sox hitting coach Frank Menachino.